pay for Cammy? Yeah. Okay. Wow, looks like we're going far. Yeah, that's okay, right? Absolutely. That's weird. What? I don't know. It was like my phone just had like an aneurysm or something. Well, watch out! Oh my god, what was that? Did you hit someone? There's no one here. What is happening? Someone's coming. You don't believe me now, but you will. You're someplace else. You're in his place. Whose place? The tall man. He's not like you and me. He's not a man at all. But he has his ways of getting what he wants. You're stuck on his road until he gets his toll. What does he want? Death. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode episode of fresh cuts i'm mike joining me as always it's mr venom how are you doing venom greetings and salutations uber drivers i'm doing all right mike how you doing doing pretty good just coming off easter weekend it's been a busy few days but you know it's fresh cuts gotta make it happen joining us as always as well it's don and ellie how are you doing don yeah well, hey what's uh going on everyone yeah always good to be here all right well today we are discussing the toll uh from let's see it's the new release said march 26 2021 and um let's see the synopsis a socially awkward driver and a weary passenger try to make it to their destination while being haunted by a supernatural threat it's listed as an hour and 20 minutes, so another relatively quick watch. Um, it's also listed as being Canadian. All right. Are we going to forgive it Nader. it's Canadian? <laughs> I, caught a, I caught a few lines that said it was, but otherwise, if you wouldn't have said that, actually, I wouldn't have been able to tell. <laughs> uh, let's see anything else I need to add nope. I guess we'll get right into general thoughts of Venom what did you think of the toll uh, this uh, this film really just felt like a color by numbers type of movie I, I, I don't want to say that the, there's necessarily anything bad about the film other than it's cliche as fuck um, you know I, I always talk about how I don't necessarily need originality in my films as long as they do, you know, the old hat. Well, uh, I don't know. This one just kind of did it middle of the road. It was it was very underwhelming. Um, 
as I said, nothing about it was really bad. The cinematography, performances, writing, you know, th there weren't a lot of cringy lines in here. There weren't, you know, too many unlikable characters. I mean, ultimately, there's only two main characters and then a couple of bit players also. So, I mean, you know, for what it's worth, it looks nice. It, it, you know, it's definitely a movie. It's just, it's one of those things that I, I, I have trouble really kind of voicing my opinion on these movies because I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. It's just I'm trying to think of positive spins to put on it. And I really can't. I mean, it's it's an underwhelming villain. It's an underwhelming scenario. Um, you don't really ever feel too much tension. I mean, it, it's not like gripping horror by any stretch of the imagination. We've seen this story done countless times and done much better, be it... Um, you know, people breaking down on a mysterious road that has supernatural elements or, of course, you know, we've had the movies um, about, you know, ride shares going wrong, stuff like Spree and Ride from a couple of years ago. But ultimately, you know, this one doesn't really offer a whole lot of new stuff for you. Ultimately, it's not a bad movie. It's just, as I've already said a couple of times, it's just an underwhelming movie. It's, you know, not to say that I had any grand expectations, but it just didn't really do a whole lot for me. I found myself checking my phone more often than I usually would when I'm, you know, thoroughly invested in a storyline. And this one, you know, just really didn't do a whole lot for me. So... I'm I'm basically just going to say nothing really memorable here but not also not necessarily a bad film like I said I wasn't yelling at the screen or constantly questioning decisions that were being made uh I thought our female uh protagonist handled the situation about as well as you can considering what the situation was and what it, and what it eventually turned out to be but you know um as you can tell, I'm kind of just kind of dragging myself through this review because that's kind of how I felt watching the film. It was just kind of a drag getting through it. And ultimately, it's average to above average. I'm sure there's going to be people out there that like this a lot more than me. But ultimately, for me, it didn't do a whole lot. It, it I can't even really recommend it to too much, uh, too many different types of horror fans. I mean, if you're a slasher fan... I could think of a dozen movies off the top of my head I'd rather suggest from this year. If you're a fan of the supernatural, I could think of about a dozen movies I could think of off the top of my head that are better than this. So it's just like I said, an underwhelming film, but not necessarily a bad one either. I'll leave it at that for general thoughts. All right, Don, where will you pick up or Venom left off on general thoughts? Um, I'm going to pick up on a lot of where he left off. Um, my general impression of this one was generic as fuck. And uh, that's pretty much like what I can tell he's coming at it from. Uh, he's pretty right on a lot of stuff. Uh, it, you know, scenario that's been done to death so many times over, you know, a villain that's barely even in the movie. I mean, I counted maybe, what, 10 seconds of screen time that we actually get to see him. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm really struggling to even remember him actually showing up on camera. Uh, I, I do like the atmosphere in the first half. I, I do think that the setup, as generic as it is, does have some pretty tense moments here and there. It's not necessarily, you know, the best at what it is. 
but I do like the idea that it's playing, you know, the mysterious road, the, you know, atmosphere out in the woods, that sort of thing. Uh, it's not the best, but it, it it it's enough for me to, you know, not just immediately dismiss the film or anything like that. But yeah, at the end of the day, I I'm kind of in line with him, maybe just a tick or two above it, just because I do like the begin this atmosphere, which he doesn't seem to like that as much. But yeah, I'm really not falling very far from where he is. Uh, not necessarily something I'm going to recommend. Not necessarily something I'm going to say to avoid. Just you know, it's a movie, so <laughs> I'm probably just gonna leave it leave it where he is. Um, I will disagree on one thing. I thought the girl was an absolute pain in the butt. Um, she, uh, you know, by like the fifth or sixth time that you're in the you're stuck in the situation and you're gonna call him out for being a creep and not trusting him when he's in the exact same situation as you are, lady, you're a bitch. <laughs> I, I I tend to cut that character a tiny, tiny little bit of slack in that case, only because, you know, we're a podcast full of men, and ultimately none of us know what it's truly like to walk out of your house and instantly be, you know, fearful of the opposite sex. Uh, you know, in in this day and, and age, I, it just I, seems like half the guys out there are shitty. I'm not I'm not necessarily defending her behavior so much as I'm just trying to quantify it. That's that's and, all. And I'm not either. I'm just saying by like the fifth or sixth time, you're still not completely on his side that he had sure. nothing to do with it. That just feels like way too forced for me. I, I'm sorry. I don't buy that. Mm-hmm. But other than that, yeah. No, no. For like the first few or the first like four or five instances. Yeah, I'm with you. I completely side with her. You know, it could be a setup. It could be something that he's in on. But I think just by the time that it gets you know the final ha- the final half of the film that there's been too much going on for you to still be in that mindset yeah that's kind of where i i stopped caring about her so <laughs> but other than that yeah i don't have much else to add yeah i mean we we get two main characters and ultimately right at the start neither one of them come off as very likable you know she's obviously tired and weary from traveling and just wants to get home he is is upset that he picked up this person without them actually putting the address into the app. So he has no idea how long a ride he actually has to take this woman on. So, But then even his behavior, too, on the ride is a little questionable, maybe a little bit too friendly at times. You know, like, you know, you're, you're my driver for the night. Know your role. I don't need to know, you know, your hobbies and all that shit, blah, blah, blah. But ultimately, the point I'm trying to make is, is that neither character is really all that likable. Um, Don has a point about the woman's attitude and the guy. Yeah, I was struggling to really, you know, put myself in his shoes because he just constantly did these questionable things that, you know, made him that that would easily make a girl like that think that she was in danger. So, but, but Don is right after the fourth or fifth time, you know, it it does get old and uh, you know, whether, whether she's correct or not, it it does tend to get old, especially if you're in a life, life and death situation, you think the only person who hasn't tried to attack you uh, would be somewhat trustworthy. But, you know, again, I can't put myself in a woman's head, especially not her head. Once we see and hear her backstory, um, you know, again, it just makes sense 
um, you know, that she acts the way she does. I'm not disagreeing with Don. I am agreeing with him that it does get a little, you know, heavy handed, but at the same time with everything that she's been through and then with everything that we learn through flashbacks that she's been through. Yeah. It, you know, it, it, it adds a little bit of validity to the whole thing, but the journey still isn't all that fun, I guess is our ultimate point. Sorry, Mike, I got long winded. <laughs> oh, no worries. Um, so yeah, I'm going to echo most of what both of you guys said. This type of premise, I actually am a fan of. So at the beginning, you know, I was pretty on board with how everything's set up and you kind of get the idea like, okay, this is going to be like kind of a road trip gone wrong. Um, I didn't know because I didn't know much about this going into it. Didn't read a synopsis or anything. Um, didn't know if it was going to be supernatural based or 100% like a character flipping out on the other one something like that so we're going and i i felt like the story in this one was pretty weak and it seemed like the way the writing was was they were really trying to make you think certain things about one of the characters and then it turns out not to be so but then in the end the character ends up kind of flipping that way anyway it, it felt kind of like uneven like almost like they maybe changed their minds about what they wanted to do with the character. But uh, I, I feel the biggest problem with this movie is once we kind of figure out what's going on, like what it is that's, you know, tormenting them, it feels very been there, done that. It, it's not very, it's not overly interesting, I'll say. I mean, it's not like it's the dullest thing I've ever seen. It's just a matter of like you've seen it before you've seen it done better it doesn't make this a bad movie it just kind of uh, you know i think this might be one of those where it depends on how many of the similar type movies the viewer's seen before um if they seem like other ones and better ones then they'll probably think less of this one if they haven't seen a bunch of these kind of road trip gone wrong movies then maybe they'll like this one more because it's a little bit newer to them but um yeah it's just kind of one of those middle of the road movies that uh i'm not like it didn't feel like a waste of time watching it or anything it's just by the time you uh have all the pieces to what's going on and the way it plays out i also thought it was wrapped up a little too neatly i think they had an opportunity there at the end the most unbelievable thing about direction. the movie is the very last scene. I'm, I'm literally yeah. in my head, I'm screaming at the screen. Wait a minute, that, that's not legal. What are you doing? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it seemed like they had an opportunity, you know, with that in that, that last ten, fifteen minutes, like maybe taking it in a different direction than I was expecting. But it's like it, it kind of went predictable. It's like, oh which character is going to end up surviving and, you know, how it's going to happen. And it just kind of plays out probably the way most people will be expecting it to once the movie's at that point. Um, 
Yeah. But yeah, you, there's you, just you nailed it when you said uh, been there, done that. I mean, I even have that in my notes. It, it like with every scene, with every new revelation, it's like, oh yeah, that reminds me of this movie and that movie. Oh, this reminds me of Dead End. Oh, this reminds me of uh, you know, uh, Creep or whatever. You know, so it, it, yeah, it, it's just a movie filled with unintentional references. At least for people like us who've been in the genre for so long. And have been watching these movies for so long. Yeah, this movie is basically just uh, a big old Easter egg movie. Oh, I remember seeing that in this movie. Uh, oh, I remember seeing that mask in this movie, or you know, whatever the case may be. So yeah, it's uh, it's unoriginal and uninspired. What are you gonna? Yeah, do? It, it hits all the notes you'd expect, which is probably one of the weaknesses because it doesn't really do anything that you wouldn't expect from, from you know, as it starts playing out. It's just like every step of the way, you're like, "Yep, I, that's what that's what we're gonna do." Okay, yeah, pretty much, and it never really deviates from that course, unfortunately. Because yep. I, I mean, my opinion is like, if you, you know, it's just one guy's opinion, but if you're gonna do a movie like this, where obviously the premise has been done multiple times before, to me, it's almost like you kind of want to do something to make your movie stand out from the pack you know maybe you try mm-hmm. something bold and it doesn't 100 percent work but it's like you know do something to separate it uh you know just just try something a little different and it really they just kind of made the movie that you know they probably you know the writer directors probably seen before and you know you could say they were inspired by fair enough but they didn't really deviate from the movies they've seen before yeah I mean, I'm, I'm convinced that if someone has never watched a horror or a horror thriller in their life, they would probably love this movie because it would be filled with original ideas that they've never seen before. But I mean, if you've spent even five to ten years watching horror movies, then ultimately you've run into every gag in this movie, every every horror set piece is something you've seen somewhere else. I mean, yeah, there's, there's nothing surprising, shocking, uh about this movie at all uh like mike said i mean you kind of see it coming and yeah as soon as a certain message was uh fingered into the car in the movie i pretty much saw the entire rest of the movie played out and guess what it played out exactly that way so you know uh as mike and i have both already said it's not necessarily a bad movie it's just you know if you're looking for something new and original this is not the movie for you if you're looking for tried and true comfort food, well, this might do it for you. If you're the type. Yeah, that's a pretty good assessment there. But that's pretty much all I got for general thoughts. Yeah, same here. I mean, my thoughts were as general as possible. <laughs> Literally, this movie is just, it's like that wrestler in, in WWF when you were a kid that you didn't cheer or boo. They just kind of came out, lost the fight, and then disappeared forever. <laughs> this movie mm. is the jobber of horror films. <laughs> <laughs> the curtain jerking jobber. <laughs> the bruiser Brody of horror. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh. God. It, Anything else, Don, before I uh, jump into the walkthrough? I'm sorry. That was so generic. I forgot we were talking about the movie. I'm good. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I suddenly feel like having a glass of milk. <laughs> <laughs> and some bread. Oh, some, oh, some white bread, bread. Untoasted, of course. <laughs> yeah. 
with the crest uh, cut off. <laughs> all right, well, this should be a fairly quick walkthrough because we've already pretty much given you half the story already, and not a bit of it is spoiler, honestly, because like I said, once you watch the first 15 to 20 minutes of this movie, you pretty much know where it's going, but let's go ahead and jump into our walkthrough. Uh, this is your final spoiler warning. If you haven't seen the film, go ahead and pause here. Go check it out. It is available currently available on VOD for $5.99. Uh, well, is it worth that much? Eh, I think you kind of know our answer already. Um, and if you have watched the film or don't care to watch it, please join us for our spoiler-filled review. All right, so here we go. That sounded like a commercial for another podcast, huh? You should have recorded that and sent that to somebody else. <laughs> All right. So our movie opens up. Uh, Spencer is an Uber, well, Uber style driver, Uber Lyft, you know, whatever, you know, those rideshare apps that are out there. So he is, uh, I'm just going to say Uber since it's what most people are familiar with. And it's just naturally going to fall out of my mouth that way. So Spencer is an Uber driver. He has begun his evening of work, and he's basically looking for a fare. Uh, you see him flipping through the app, uh, checking out who needs a ride. He he says no to a couple of middle-aged gentlemen that are looking for rides, but then he runs across an attractive young blonde who just happens to be within a mile of his uh, uh, current location, so he goes ahead and takes that ride. And he picks up a girl named Cammie. As I've already said, Cammie, you know, is a young, pretty blonde. Um, she is home from something, I assume school, potentially university, something along those lines. She looks like she's of that age. Um, and she is home to visit her father, who bought a ranch out in the middle of nowhere. Now, when Cammie first gets into Spencer's car, she hasn't actually typed in the address to, to her destination. When she eventually gives her driver the address, he realizes that he's in for a long ride, and he actually makes a comment about it. But, you know, uh, Cammie, you know, says something along the lines of, is that going to be a problem? And, of course, you know, he's a working guy, Spencer is, so he's going to take the fare. And off they go to their destination. And, of course, for the first five, ten minutes of this film, it's basically just these two having awkward, polite conversation. Uh, suddenly, you know, after talking a little bit about, you know, their hobbies, you know, kind of what's going on with their lives in a very general sense, of course, these are two strangers who just met. Um, the driver, Spencer, starts getting a little bit more personal with his questions, starts asking about her father and because she had just told a story about her father buying that ranch out in the middle of nowhere. He starts asking, you know, kind of invasive questions. Oh, does he like to hunt? Is he a huntsman? Blah, blah, blah. She uh, kind of takes offense to the questions and tells him that she's going to take a nap for a little while, which she does. She lays her head down and takes a nap. When she wakes up, Spencer lets her know that they are only about 20 minutes from, their, uh, from her destination. Uh, but at one point in the ride, the GPS tells Spencer to take a, a right turn off the main road that Cammie's not familiar with. She instantly voices her protest saying, you know, where are you going? This, I'm not familiar with this turn. Spencer then actually pulls his phone off the uh, main console, hands it to her and says, here, take a look. This is what the GPS is telling me to do. I can turn around and do a U-turn if you like and go your path, but this is what it's telling me. 
After looking at the phone and looking at the path on the app, she decides, okay, let's go ahead and go this way. They proceed down for a few more minutes, and then out of nowhere, um, Spencer's phone dies. Just basically, you see the screen glitch out, and then it just powers down completely. Spencer instantly, you know, is wondering what's going on with his phone because it's up, it's up, you know, right in front of his face on a stand. So the instant it goes out, he notices. But while fiddling with his phone to try to figure out what happened to it, he sees someone standing in the middle of the road. You know, one of those situations where the driver sees someone at the last second and then slams on the brakes, praying that they didn't actually hit the person. Uh, once the car is stopped, Spencer gets out of the car, looks around, and of course, they find no one. Uh, they, you know, Spencer's not sure if he hit someone. There is no thud or anything like that. It's just he sees someone, then he slams on the brakes. Nobody there. So, you know, Spencer and Cammy decide to continue on their trip. But suddenly, when Spencer gets in the car, big surprise, the car won't start. Yes, the car won't start. Um, it's definitely, they, they, they you know, um, excuse me, Spencer mentions that he, it, it seems like it's the battery because of the noise that he's making when he's trying to turn it over. But with everything, all the lights and everything still on in the car, it's obviously not the battery. So Spencer ends up getting out of the car to check the engine, uh, doesn't really find anything wrong with it. Cammy at this point, who has already been distrustful of this driver already, who's already asked, um, you know, invasive questions. And he also did make one inappropriate joke that I did forget to mention. Um, Spencer lets Cammy know that he likes hunting. He's a bow and arrow hunter, doesn't like guns. Um, at one point, Cammy asks him, what do you like to hunt? And he says, oh, you know, small game, people. So he makes a joke that he actually hunts people, which of course is going to put a single female at three in the morning in a stranger's car at ease. And, you know, instantly that just makes the situation even more awkward, blah, blah, blah. So that that gives you a little bit of backstory there. Um, so, like I said, she's already distrustful of her driver. Now they're broken down in the middle of the road in an area that she's not familiar with. So she decides to get out of the car and walk back down the road by herself. Yes, that she just she'd rather walk in the woods by herself than be with the only other human in the area um, because, of course, of her distrust of her Uber drivers, which she actually does make a comment that every time she gets in a in a car, she thinks her driver is a rapist or a psycho. So they actually do have that exchange. Um. So while Cammy is gone, she's walking down the road. She she ends up walking down the road in the direction that they had come from. So she's going back from where they came. Suddenly, within a few hundred feet, she starts seeing these road closed signs, signs that were absolutely not there when they came through the first time. So, you know, obviously we start, you know, as a horror movie viewer, you start, you know, putting two and two together in your mind. Then suddenly she gets to a set of road closed signs that are pointing out a walking detour, a walking path through the woods, and there's signs pointing down there, calling it a detour. She looks down the path and does what any sensible person would do. Instantly she says, fuck that, and she does not go down the path. Good girl, again. 
she decides to continue walking up the road past the road close signs. Now, what she's noticing is that on these, these are official real road close signs, but they all have a little bit of graffiti on them. Very menacing graffiti, like, you know, one will say, don't walk past this spot if you value your life or something, something along those lines, maybe not word for word. And then another one will say, keep walking forward, I dare you. And then the last one says, oh, he can see you now. And she obviously is freaked out thinking somebody, you know, some local is playing a trick on her. So she continues walking up the road. And then what ends up happening is um, while she's gone, uh, Spencer is by himself at the car. When he's at the car, he thinks that he hears someone walking around his car so he gets out of the car to look, and then we as the viewer see that there's someone wearing a mask standing behind his car. He, of course, doesn't see it. Um, then he hears a noise behind his car, decides to walk over, and then written in the condensation on the back windshield is uh, the phrase, please pay the toll man. Just a simple, please pay the toll man. Now, obviously... Um, now, what's funny about this whole thing, too, is that Spencer is just as distrustful of Cammie as Cammie is of him. Obviously, with Cammie, she's more fearful of, like, a physical attack, whereas he's just worried that she's just a crazy nut job who's, you know, out to have some fun for the evening. So they're both distrustful of each other, which kind of gives a nice element to it. Uh, very few nice elements to this movie, but we'll take what we can get. Um, so, uh, like I said... Um, uh, Spencer finds that note on the back of his windshield. It freaks him out, you know, and he jumps back into his car. Just as he's jumping back into his car, here comes Cammy walking up the street, but she's coming from the opposite direction that she left. So she left with the car facing away from her, walking back down the road from where they came. But she, when she comes back, she comes from the opposite side of the street so that the car is actually pointed towards her now. Spencer is wondering, what the hell happened? How did you walk in a circle? You must have taken a wrong turn somewhere. Cammie lets him know, I took no turns whatsoever. I walked straight. I stayed on this road. I never got off. And yet here I am. So... Again, you know, Cammy and uh, Spencer are back at the car. Um, Cammy wants to sit in the car to kind of get her thoughts together, and she actually asks Spencer to wait outside, um, oh, to wait outside of his own car. And she actually says, I just feel more comfortable and safe if you're out there watching out for people, which is just a really shitty thing to ask someone to do, but whatever. Again, she's a terrified woman. You know, we'll give her some concessions there. Um but while Spencer is outside, kind of just murmuring to himself, talking to himself that he can't believe he's outside of his own car in this situation, blah, blah, blah. While that's all happening outside, Cammy decides to look in the middle console of Spencer's car um, to try to see if she can find anything, any kind of clues or whatever that might help her figure out what's going on. What she ends up finding is a pile of personal photos of herself and her father. Um, some of these are recent photos. Some of them are a little bit older, but they're all basically, you know, photos of Cammy and her father. So, of course, as the movie viewer, we all are like, okay, finally, the movie is a slasher and Spencer is a crazy nut. Um, Cammy decides not to let Spencer know that she found those pictures and she just puts the pictures back. 
in the console and uh, just changes the subject. Eventually, Spencer comes back into his own car. Uh, and, you know, uh, basically at this point, he decides he's now going to walk up the road a little bit. Um, he ends up walking in the opposite direction that Cammy left from. So this time he's moving forward. He's walking in the direction that the car is pointing. And then what ends up happening is we see Spencer on the road. He's got his flashlight. He's by himself. He hears a noise in the woods just off the road. So what he what we see is Spencer go off the road to the left into the woods to see if he can find what the noise was. And then literally about five to ten seconds later, Spencer comes out of the woods, but on the opposite side of the road. He literally like five seconds after he left the road on the left, he comes back on the road on the right. And there's no camera cut. It's the same shot. It's a static shot for this whole bit. So, again, obviously, the filmmakers are letting you know that maybe there is more supernatural things going on here than originally thought. So, um, let's see. So, Spencer ends up coming back to the car after his little adventure and ends up the exact same. He ends up coming back to the car in the opposite direction that he left from. So, basically, a loop. They're somehow stuck in a loop. At this point, Spencer goes into his car and, you know, he tells Cammy the same thing. Nothing. I didn't find anything. Uh, blah, blah, blah. But we need to get out of here because somebody's obviously trying to mess with us, potentially even murder us. So Spencer decides to look in his middle console himself to look for something. Um, oh, I believe it was his eye drops because multiple times in the movie we see Spencer putting eye drops in his eyes. Um, after he gets back to the car and then looks in his middle console, his center console, he actually finds those pictures, um, the pictures that Cammy found, and he starts questioning why they're there, asking Cammy, why did you put these here? And, and then, of course, Cammy, who found the pictures in the first place, is questioning him. Yeah, explain to me why you have these pictures. Are you stalking me? Did you stalk my father? So obviously this scene is like a big shouting match between the two you know, Cammy accusing him of being a creepy stalker, him accusing her of uh, playing pranks on him and putting those pictures in there just so that she could accuse him of something that he didn't do, blah, blah, blah. Um, so from there, Spencer throws the pictures in the back seat and they end up getting out of the car to continue their discussion. Um Cammy goes back to the car to make a point about the pictures, about all the coincidences that are happening, you know, uh, Spencer driving off the main path, you know, because of the GPS and now we're broken down and blah, blah, blah. And then she goes to the backseat of the car to get the pictures and the pictures are completely gone. They are not in the middle console. They're not in the back seat where Spencer threw them. The pictures are just completely gone. And this is where Cammy starts to realize that, okay, maybe Spencer's not, you know, the creepy serial killer that he that I thought he was. Even though she's not done accusing him yet at this point, there's still going to be a couple of more instances in the movie where she questions his, um, you know, motivations. And, you know, he still has to defend himself, blah, blah, blah. So... So, as I said, after they get out of the car and they get into that discussion, they realize the pictures are missing. The tall man finally makes his first appearance and he basically shows up behind Spencer, standing behind him in the lights of the car. Spencer instantly grabs his bow and arrow and shoots an arrow 
at the assailant, but the arrow goes right through the tall man, right through his chest, almost like he's an apparition. He's not transparent or anything. You know, he doesn't look like a force ghost or anything. You know, he looks like a flesh and blood man, but the arrow does indeed go right through him. So, uh, again, you know, we're getting more information. The tall, the, the tall man. I keep accidentally saying the tall man. So please forgive me, folks. I, I say that all the time when telling someone I, it's so easy to say the tall man accidentally. Yeah. Well, we've been with the tall the tall man for 40 years, and the tall man is brand new, so it's going to take some adjustment. Okay, so <laughs> at this point, um, like I said, the tall man appears, and um, let's see. They, they jump back into the car, obviously out of fear, and as they're basically in the car trying to you know put together a plan of what they're going to do, a rock... Um, a big rock smashes through the driver's side front window, the window right next to Spencer's driver's seat comes smashing through, but that's all that happens. Like there's not an additional attack after that, that, you know, the toll man isn't out there staring at him. Literally just the rock comes through. Cammy realizes that, you know, sometimes these things have messages on them and she asks him, what was it that came through the window? Turns out that it's a rock with an envelope attached to it. When they open up the envelope, there is a note inside that says, this road is closed. Please proceed to the detour to pay the toll. And that's pretty much all the note says. So, you know, obviously the toll man is here to collect some kind of toll from these people. Um, at that exact moment when Spencer reads the note out loud, he looks in his rearview mirror and realizes someone's coming down the road. He sees headlights and realizes, like I said, someone's coming down the road. He gets out of the car instantly, and what we get is a, a older woman uh, on a tractor, basically just driving her tractor down the road. Not a very large tractor, not you know, but one of those smaller ones, you know, blah blah blah, the little John Deere jobbies. And basically, you know, the old woman's trying to figure out what's up with these two. She thinks, you know, they're just a couple of random people who broke down the road. So, you know, the old woman starts to offer her assistance. But then Cammie starts um, talking about things that have happened to them that evening. And she asks the woman, did you see the road close signs? Uh, you had to have seen them because you just came from that direction. Instantly, the old woman's facial expression changes and she goes, oh, no. It's been so long, it's happening again. And basically what happens here is the old woman, she is our exposition for the film, and she gives us our backstory of the tall man. And basically what she is saying is that the tall man is a supernatural entity who is fixated on death. And what he does is when he senses death in the area... And the old lady explains it as, you know, maybe somebody was contemplating suicide or maybe somebody was going to get into a car accident. You know, very final destination. Uh, she basically uh, she explains that the toll man takes the people out of that situation and almost resets the death and basically um, uh, almost like he challenges the remaining people to figure out who is going to either, you know, have to kill or be killed for the survivors to be able to get out of the situation. The old woman says, 
most people probably can't even see you. Um, you know, you're invisible to people in the real world. The only reason I can see you is because I've had an interaction with the toll man. You know, I've, I've, I've been tested by him before and that's the only reason I can see you. At one point she even extends her hand and says, come try to grab my hand. I bet you it'll pass right through. We're not in the same plane of existence, basically. You know what I mean? They're in the toll man's world and she's in the real world. Spencer does approach to try to grab her hand, but Cammy stops him, um, so he's not able to verify her story. But eventually, you know, Cammy does just basically tell the old woman, look, if you're not going to help, can you at the very least when you get home, call the police, let them know that we're in the road. The old woman explains to them, look, I can call the police for you, but they're going to come right here to this spot and they're not going to see anything. You're not here. You're not part of the real world right now. So it doesn't matter. But again, Cammy implores the old woman, please write that to the point that she actually gives the old woman her father's full name and address so that she can contact him to let him know that they are, uh, you know, broken down. The old woman says again, okay, I'll do it as a favor, but I don't think it's going to do any good. And she basically goes along on her merry way. Um, the two are still in the car. Obviously, the old woman's been gone for a while because Cammy kind of gets pissed off and says, I knew she wasn't going to call anybody. You know, we've been sitting here waiting and no one's come by. So Cammy basically makes the decision for both of them. All right, we're not going to wait in this car anymore. Let's go ahead and take the detour path, the detour path that they've both looked at already. And they've both flat out said, nope, I'm not doing that. But of course, we got to advance the story somehow. So off go our main characters to take the path um, as they're following the path. Various supernatural events occur. The first thing that happens is a phonograph appears in the middle of the road. Anybody who's so young, it doesn't know what a phonograph is. It's basically one of those old time record players that has a big horn speaker on it. One of those big brass speakers. You know, if you've watched, you know, an old movie set in the 20s or 30s, like The Great Gatsby or something, I'm sure you've seen it. Hell, you probably saw one in The Conjuring, if I remember correctly. I think one of The Conjuring movies has one. But yeah, that's a phonograph. So basically, a phonograph appears in the middle of the road out of nowhere. And attached to the phonograph is an invitation. It's a wedding invitation. And when Spencer reads the uh, the names of the people that are being married, Cammie instantly realizes those are my parents. Um, you know, that's Neil, her father, who she's already mentioned by name, and then her mother. And she's like, yeah, that's my parents' wedding. But then they both turn around, and when they turn back, the phonograph and the invitation and everything basically disappears. They continue on their merry way, and then uh, they start to approach what looks like a cabin, just, you know, uh, a cabin in the woods, your, your old cliche cabin in the woods. As they're approaching it, though, a body that's been wrapped in like a potato sack and hung upside down falls from a tree. It doesn't fall and hit the ground. It literally falls and just is dangling right in front of their path. Um the person wrapped inside the bundle starts making noise, starts asking, is there anybody there? Can you help me? Cammy realizes that she recognizes the voice. She goes towards the person, um, unwraps uh, the, the, the potato sack around their head and realizes it is her father. It's Neil, the guy that she's been referencing already a couple of times. 
And she starts to ask her father, you know, what happened? What's going on? And the the dad, uh, he's basically on the brink of death, so he's not able to give too much information. The only thing that he's able to say is, don't trust that guy. He's he's not to be trusted. Basically, he's looking at Spencer and he's telling his daughter, don't trust him. Um, You know, almost like implying that Spencer is the one who attacked and killed your father. So. Her father does end up slipping into death, and, you know, he's out. Uh, Cammie stands up, turns around, and instantly starts accusing Spencer of uh, killing her father. She's like, my father told me you killed him, blah, 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 you asshole, you've been lying to me. But then Spencer grabs her attention and lets her know, hey, look at the road, he's gone. She turns around. Her father's body is gone. The rope is gone. The potato sacks are gone. Just everything disappeared. So they're both starting to make the realization that the toll man is making, you know, these images appear to get these two to work against each other. Obviously, he's working on Cammy more um, for reasons that will become obvious in the third act. We'll get to it. But for now, um, you know, it seems like the tall man or the toll man. See, I did it again. Uh, it seems like the toll man is trying to get Cammy to distrust Spencer and potentially attack him, uh, which, you know, could be the said toll that they're looking for. We haven't gotten uh, a full explanation of it yet. But um, so after her father disappears, they continue towards the cabin and they both realize that the cabin looks familiar and that it looks familiar to both of them from their childhood. Uh, they both mentioned that this is a place that we came to as a kid and that we have great memories here and blah, blah, blah. Um, so they go ahead and go inside the cabin after a little bit of thought. You know, they just, they're they they're contemplating, should we stay outside? Should we go in? Obviously, it's the middle of the night in the middle of the woods. They probably feel safer indoors, so they make the decision to go inside. Once inside, all they find inside is a chair and a wall of TV monitors, um, you know, just small CRT televisions, um, you know, like eight to ten of them maybe all lined up on the wall. And suddenly the monitors come on. And um, when the monitors come on, they start showing them, you know, random images of uh, these this couple, uh, a man and a woman that are wearing a mask, almost like a plague mask. If you remember the old Victorian plague masks with the big hook nose, um, there's a male and a female sitting in a room just, you know sitting there, not doing anything, suddenly the female gets up and she starts holding up these handwritten notes into the camera that say things like, don't trust him, he's going to kill you, blah, blah, blah. Now, Cammy and Spencer are both in the room and they're both watching these monitors. Obviously, Cammy is questioning Spencer, Spencer has no explanation, blah, blah, blah. Suddenly, the video ends and it goes to a live image. And the live image is of them, Spencer and Cammie, in the cabin. Uh, Cammie actually stands up from her chair and sits back down. Spencer waves at the camera to make sure that this actually is a live image, that somebody must be watching them. But then instantly, as they're watching this live image... Um, on the television, we see Spencer pull out one of his arrows and go to stab um, Cammy. 
At that instant, Cammy gets up, grabs a gun that was placed on the table in front of her, or it was already there when they walked into the cabin, but she basically grabs this gun, cocks it, and points it at Spencer. Spencer, of course, with his bow and arrow, prepares an arrow to shoot at Amy, uh, Cammy, excuse me, and they have themselves a little Mexican standoff. Again, Spencer, again, is trying to convince this woman, I'm not trying to kill you. I, you know, what do I have to do to convince you I'm not a serial killer? Cammy says, I saw it on the television. You attacked me. And Spencer's like, no, I did not. The toll man showed you exactly what you wanted to see. Well, at this you point, he should just kill her. Exactly. That's what <laughs> He's I was like, you know. In all honesty, I don't know what's going on at this point, and I'm thinking, dude, just kill her and end the movie. <laughs> like, you know, she's starting to annoy me. Yeah, and give her what, give her what she wants. Turn into a killer right then and there. Exactly. I mean, if she's gonna believe you are, regardless of what you say, then fuck it, do it. Anyway, so they're the like I said, they've got their weapons pointed at each other. Finally, Spencer is able to talk Cammy down, you know, because Cammy earlier mentioned that she has an issue with guns. She doesn't like guns, blah, blah, blah. Um, so they end up kind of calming the situation and deciding, OK, what are we going to do here? Um, they end up leaving the cabin. And um, let's see. As soon as they end up leaving the cabin, Spencer, uh, they, they end up seeing the male and female that were on the videotape that were wearing the plague masks. They end up seeing them outside, like in real life, uh, at the campfire, at a campfire that's just outside the cabin that they just exited. Suddenly, uh, the female of the two gets up and starts talking to Spencer. Um, then she pulls off her mask, and Spencer looks at her, and obviously we know that Spencer knows her somehow. And then Spencer basically just says, you're not my mother. That You can't be my mother, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and and the, the image of his mother starts telling him, there was something that I wanted to tell you before I swallowed all those pills that night. So obviously Spencer's mother committed suicide, but she lets something unfinished uh, before she committed suicide. She basically says, do you know, do you want to know what I was going to tell you? I mean, the, the toll man knows and he wants me to tell you. Um, but she basically says, well, for me to tell you, you have to follow me over here. And she points to a more secluded part of the woods, you know, away from the campfire you know, obviously everyone watching knows this is not Spencer's mother, but of course Spencer, you know, is just way too curious to know what it is that his mother wanted to say to him uh, before she took her own life. Um, so he ends up doing exactly that. He follows his mother into the woods. And at that moment, um, the focus goes to Cammy, and we kind of lose track of Spencer for a little bit. Now, what we see is Cammy starts walking around the woods uh, herself, and what she ends up seeing is she ends up seeing an image of her own rape. Um, basically, she, she, she walks into a clearing, and in the clearing there is a bed, like a, a nice four-post bed, uh, and there's a guy, you know, kind of college-aged-looking jock, um, putting his pants back on. And once he has his pants pulled completely back on, he just says, fucking bitch, and walks away. She then walks up to the bed, and what we see is what I think is supposed to be a younger version of her. Um, they're not twins by any stretch. It's not like it's actually her, but, I mean, they have the same hair color. 
um, almost the same hairstyle. The girl that's in the bed definitely looks younger. So this could be, you know, a rape that occurred, you know, a couple, two, three, four years ago, potentially. Um, but she basically starts talking to her younger self and telling her, look, it gets better. You know, you, you may never be able to get over this, but you'll be able to move on and live on. And you might even be able to forget him. And then the younger self says to Cammy, well, I, I can never forget him. He's here. He's in my head forever. And then she looks at Cammy, at the real Cammy, and says, please tell me it gets better. Please tell me it gets better than this. Cammy, unfortunately, can't give her an answer. And um, the younger Cammy just starts crying in the bed and she's unconsolable. At that exact moment, what we start seeing are flashbacks of different people in Cammy's life that spoke to her after her sexual assault. We see images of her father threatening uh, the uh, the alleged assaulter, you know, the the alleged rapist, basically saying, if you tell me he touched you, I'll kill him, blah, blah, blah. Then you've got images of her mother asking her, well, how much alcohol did you drink? What were you wearing? Blah, blah, blah. And then you got a nurse asking her, you know, do you need therapy? Do you need to have a good cry? Then there's a police officer uh, basically telling him, well, look, he's a member of the track team. He's a upstanding member of the society, and this could adversely damage his future, um, blah, blah, blah. Then we see another police officer asking her, well, you keep changing your stories. What's the truth? Did he assault you or not? Blah, blah, blah. So basically, she's reliving all the things that happened to her, all the advice and you know unwanted advice that she received from people after her sexual assault which then culminates in all the people basically saying and almost chanting, kill yourself, kill yourself, kill yourself. Um, this instantly makes the viewer call back to the scene where the old woman was explaining the legend of Tall Man. And she was explaining that the Tall Man notices death. If you have the air of death around you, um, like if you've ever contemplated suicide, she, she actually makes that exact comment that he notices you and then intervenes. So at this moment, you can kind of see Cammy's facial expression change that, oh shit, I attracted this uh, toll man to me when I contemplated suicide after my sexual assault. So, you know, this is a little bit of backstory that I was talking about that kind of defends how Cammy was acting, but obviously, you know, um, you know, I'm a man. I've never been sexually assaulted. I, I am not going to even pretend to know what you're supposed to say to a woman when that happens. But I'm sure move on with your life. And, oh, he's an upstanding member of society is probably not the right things to say. So. So moving on from that. Um, at, after after Cammy's younger self disappears, now Cammy sees the opposite. She sees her older self. Um, she is an old woman laying in bed, in a hospital bed, obviously on her deathbed, and the older woman is basically telling Cammy, you can't live your life with this weight on your chest. You have to let it go eventually. You, you know, if, if you live your whole life like this, what kind of a life is it really? Um, and then again, uh, the older Cammy in the bed starts to implore her to kill herself. Basically, Cammy ends up pulling out the gun. As soon as her older self notices this, she kind of starts egging her on to go ahead and kill herself. But then 
you know, in a, in a, in a moment of clarity, Cammy picks up the gun, points it at her older self and just says, I'll see you in a few decades and just fires off one shot right to the middle of her older self's head, which the shot itself wakes Cammy up from uh, being unconscious. Um, Cammy, like I said, she shoots the old woman in the head and then instantly regains consciousness. When she regains consciousness, Spencer is next to her trying to wake her up saying, okay, look, we got to get back to the car because they made the realization that the old woman in telling the story of, you know, the toll man mentioned that the toll man has to see you, has to physically see you to be able to, you know, get into your head. They make the, the the brilliant idea of going back to the car and then taping up all the windows so that no one can see inside the car. And as they're taping up the windows, we get this fairly kind of cool scene where we first we see these zombie children with machetes in their hands start walking up towards the car, which is a callback to a joke that Cammy had made earlier in the movie about people you know, getting lured into, you know, secluded areas and then getting attacked by 50 people with machetes. So that was kind of a cool little callback. But then as Cammy and Spencer are taping up the side windows, they start seeing all the flashbacks, all the people that have been screwing with them all night. Cammy sees her father. Cammy sees the man who raped her, who's actually on one knee asking Cammy to marry him. And his justification for proposing is, well, you're already pregnant with my child, so let's make this legal. Which, yeah, that's got to make a woman just feel wonderful. So, um, And then as Spencer is, you know, um, sealing up his windows, obviously he's seeing images of his mother. His mother's calling him worthless, saying that, you know, I never loved you, I never wanted you, blah, 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 blah. Um, finally, uh, Cammy and Spencer are finished closing up all the windows. Um, somehow Spencer had a box of garbage bags in his, in his car, so, you know, good on him. And uh, they were able to seal up all the windows in the car. But then suddenly the rear view camera screen comes on. Um, anybody who has a newer car, obviously, you know that there's a rear camera um, in your dashboard, uh, a screen that'll show, you know, your re your rear view while you're parking. That camera comes on by itself for no reason. And then what we see is we just see a creepy demonic hand start holding up more of these handwritten notes that we've been seeing throughout the movie. Um, and the notes kind of continue along the same path that they have been. He's, you know, they're telling Cammy, he's going to kill you, get out, don't trust him, blah, 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 blah. Um, let's see. Uh, and then after... What's happening after the car? I'm sorry, folks. I lost my I lost my place. Um, just before the taping up of the windows, I actually forgot to talk about one scene that I actually thought was mildly effective. Bef just before they get to the car, they they walk into a part of the woods where there's suddenly all these toll man statues. Now, to describe the toll man, he's basically just your average height person, but he's got like a white veil over his head and painted on it is a smiley face is like, you know, it's a smiley face with a very exaggerated big ear to ear smile on it. So, you know, you know, basically a masked killer with a smiley face hood over his head. So as they're running through the woods, they get to a part 
uh, of the woods where they're surrounded by all of these toll man statues. And the more they run, the thicker the statues get, almost like they're getting into a warehouse full of them. But then right when they see their car in the distance, one of the statues comes to life. Again, it's a basic horror trope we've seen before. The toll man comes to life and, you know, tries to grab at our heroes just before they get back to the car and start taping up the windows. So sorry about that. I did want to mention that. All right. So um, the notes that are coming up on the back mirror, um, you know, keep saying things like, you know, um, only one must die. Uh, pay the toll to to be free, things like that. So basically they're starting to understand that one of them needs to die for the other to be able to continue on their journey. Uh, this is where Spencer has a complete 180. Um, he starts talking to her, and then he starts talking about how the old woman was talking about the toll man being able to sense the air of death. And he starts... He, he starts getting real somber and he starts talking about um, before he picked her up that he had these thoughts in his head. Cammy starts getting real concerned. She actually turns towards him because she thinks that he's about to admit that he thought about committing suicide earlier in the night. And basically he turns to her and says, it's just before, you know, before I picked you up, I had these thoughts and then he goes silent for a second, and then he goes, these thoughts of what it would be like to fuck you and kill you. Yeah, out of nowhere, Spencer takes the turn that many of us expected him to take. He actually yeah. is a serial rapist and killer. He actually, later in the film, actually mentions um, that he has done this before and how the toll man probably doesn't care how many women he's raped and killed and that he just wants cammy specifically so so spencer makes that kind of um realization in his head that the tall man really wants cammy more than i you know of the two that he would really prefer cammy so um yeah so his his uh -huh. character does like the complete 180 that they were kind of setting up at the beginning and then tried to it, it was almost like they were purposely making him just creepy enough at the beginning, but then we're like, okay, but now we gotta try to scrub that from everyone's memory for the next forty-five minutes, and then, and then at the end, it's like, oh, in case you forgot that first ten minutes, yeah, he. Uh, that's yeah. why I was just like, man, it's like they couldn't make up their mind how they wanted to go with him, and in the end, they just went the lazy, predictable route. Yeah, I feel like the writing of this film probably follows the same path the film it does the, the film itself takes in the sense that they probably were writing a slasher movie your basic you know slasher terrorizing a woman movie but then in the middle of writing it they're like hey how about if we throw a supernatural element in the middle and and then we completely subvert the expectation of spencer being an actual killer and then just so that we can come back around to that later it literally felt like you know, like the, the, the movie actually um, emulates the writing process of this film, just confused and doesn't really know what it wants to be, <laughs> sadly. OK. Um, so, like I said, they're they're still in the car. They're looking at these messages that are being held up in the rearview camera. And then finally, uh, a message comes up that says, check the time. Because Spencer makes a comment that maybe we just have to wait out until the sun rises and then we can just walk out of here. Um, 
Spencer speculates that based on how much time they've been running around the woods and waiting for people to show up and everything else, that it's got to be near sunset. But when the message, check the time, comes up on the rearview camera, instantly Spencer's phone suddenly, like, magically comes back to life. And the time that it displays is 2.53 a.m., which is the exact time that the phone went out. Anybody who was really paying attention saw the phone display 2.53 just as it went out. So basically, these two are obviously, as the old woman explained, they're not in the real world. They're in some kind of alternate dimension, you know, that's run by the toll man. You know, you could call it... um, what do you call it? Purgatory. Uh, you know, you can call it heaven or hell, whatever you want to go with. But yeah, there's, they're definitely somewhere else. So once they make that realization, uh, um, like I said, that's when Spencer makes, you know, kind of comes out and says, yes, I actually am who you think I am. Cammy ends up running out of the car, running away, trying to run away, but Spencer goes out right after her and shoots an arrow into her back. She instantly falls to the ground, and then we get the villain monologue. Um, basically, Spencer starts talking to himself, saying, see, Cammy, we, we were going to have some fun tonight, blah, blah, blah. And this is where he starts talking about how the Toll Man, at first I thought the Toll Man was a punishment for me for all the things that I've done in the past, but then I realized the tall man probably wants you just as much as he wants me. So let's not make him wait, blah, blah, blah. Um, after having his little monologue, Spencer goes back into his car. And when he turns the lights on in the car, um, they illuminate where Cammy is laying in the ground and he notices that Cammy moves. He realizes, Oh shit, Cammy's not dead. I got to finish the job. So he ends up getting out of the car, grabbing one of his arrows, breaking it in half, um, he's going to use it as a stabbing uh, weapon. Uh, he walks up to her. He goes to flip her over so that he can you know, look her in the face when he kills her. But she has mace in her pocket, which she made clear earlier in the film that she had some mace in her purse with her. She goes ahead, maces him point blank directly in the eyes. That makes him fall back to the ground. She then disarms him, takes the arrow away from him um, that he was about to stab her with. They have a little bit of a, you know, a test of strength to try to see who's going to overpower the other. Eventually, Cammy does get the upper hand and stabs uh, Spencer right in the throat. Spencer, you know, struggles for a little bit after that and then basically stops breathing and dies. Um, and then after this, we basically just get one more quick scene where it's now Cammy's laying on the ground. Um, she has dispensed of Spencer, excuse my rhyme, and now she sees police sirens start approaching. Yes, the police are finally getting to the scene, so it does seem like killing Spencer did indeed release Cammy from the toll man's hold. And then this is the part that made me freak out. Literally, the cops and her father arrive at the scene at the exact same time, literally. And what does the father do? He literally goes up to Cammy, picks her up, puts her in his truck, and just takes off. There is no policeman in the world that would ever allow that to happen. I mean, they got to question that girl. And if she's hurt, they got to, you know, they have to get an ambulance. They got to make everything official. But nope, dad walks right in, swoops her off the ground, 
puts her in his truck. The cops are literally standing right there, shining flashlights on him as he's walking away. No one's doing or saying anything. And then the final shot of the film is just Cammy in the passenger seat of her father's truck and fade to black. And that is the toll 2021. Like Did I said, take a toll on the viewers. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. that laugh that me off. Again, I know I'm interjecting logic into a horror movie, but I'm instantly like, what the fuck are you doing? There is no way a cop would just let you take that girl away from the scene of a crime. Holy shit. She literally just murdered someone and you're taking her away? Really? Oh, Jesus. The shit that I nitpick about with these movies, I know it it gets funnier and funnier every week, but goddamn, I I feel myself turning into a crotchety old horror fan. Eh, I think it just ha- you know, with the as the years go on and the more stuff we've seen, it just kind of becomes a, a been there, done that with a lot of movies because you know I think sometimes people can get the wrong idea like that we dislike all these movies, but a lot of times it's it's just settling into the fact that a large number of movies I got that get put out are average doesn't mean they're bad it's just you know if we're really trying to you know be individuals that would recommend stuff as opposed to you know just say it's there there's a difference and there's nothing about this movie i would really recommend people to watch it for i mean unless you know unless you're someone that every year you just want to see as many releases from that year as possible then sure throw it on your 2000 20 watch list but outside of that there's just no reason to really seek this one out nah like yeah, I said, i've already said it multiple times and i'll say it one more time just so we get the point across this isn't a bad movie it's just very cliche cliche as fuck as don poignantly said it's nothing we haven't seen before by the time you're done watching it you're not going to feel like satisfied that you got another movie watch unless that's your thing like mike said if you're just trying to watch as many as possible but there's very little redeeming about this film like i said nothing is overtly terrible but nothing is inspiring or even minutely stellar. So, yeah, it's just a middle-of-the-ground movie, maybe leaning towards the more boring side of the road, but there it is. I'm sorry, Donald, what were you going to say? No, that was just pretty much what I was going to say. I was going to agree with Mike that the only real reason for this one is just totals for your year-end year in thing. That was pretty much what I was just going to tack on, but... Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's some, you know, we're friends with plenty of people that are just completists every year. They're going to want to seek out everything possible. Um, For those, I would say, you know, watch it, no harm, no foul. But, uh, you know, if you're someone who doesn't have time to just bust out every movie you can, I would say for now you can skip this one. Maybe catch it if you're going through a dry spell of movies to watch. Yeah, yeah, like I said, it's not the worst thing ever. Hell, it's not even the worst movie I've seen this month. But, you know, doesn't necessarily mean it's worth your hour and 20 minutes either. (laughs) I would say leave it to the viewer's discretion. Watch the trailer. This is one where I would really say watch the trailer. Because that'll at least give you, you know, a good idea of whether you want to invest the 80 minutes into this one. 
I've watched yeah. a lot worse though. So yeah, I would say watch the trailer, get a good idea of kind of like the setup of the movie, and if that you know if you're a big fan of kind of that subgenre, I would say you know give it a chance. You could very well end up liking it more than we did. Um, so kind of use your discretion. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, now it's time to use my discretion with uh, bringing this episode to a close. But before we do that, let's find out what we have for everyone else to listen to. So, Venom, you're up first. Not a whole lot new for me this week. Um, Once again, I had a couple of cancellations on shows. So, once again, in the Mic of Madness, unfortunately, it was postponed another week. Hopefully, we'll be back soon to do the uh, Action Stars and Horror Films uh, episode, which, of course, includes Chuck Norris in Silent Rage and Charles Bronson in Ten to Midnight. Um, what else we got? Underwater Kaiju, still, you know, um, trying to work to get together a date. And now, of course, with the release of Godzilla vs. Kong, that gives us even more to discuss. So hopefully that'll be happening sooner than later. On the main show in the Mic of Madness, uh, excuse me, in the main show, No More Room in Hell, um, we, we are still scheduled to record our next episode in a couple of weeks, or one more week, actually, a week from yesterday, and we're going to be, uh, like I said, looking at a couple of Czechoslovakian horror films, so look out for that on the Dark Discussions Podcast Network. I would probably say sometime around the middle of next week, probably right around the same time you get the next episode of Fresh Cuts, which as of right now, we have no idea what that's going to be. And that's pretty much it for me, Mike. Everything else that I'm on either hasn't recorded in a little bit or um, is still in the planning stages. I know Theme Warriors, we're going to be recording hopefully sometime this month. We're finalizing our theme and the films for that episode, so... Hopefully, before the end of April, we'll get another episode out of Theme Warriors. But other than that, that's all I've got, Mike. All right, Don, do you got anything new? Um, well, uh, the only real thing for me is uh, an episode that dropped uh, a couple of days ago. Um, you'll notice on the Graveyard Shit um, feed, there was a special episode where I talked to the stars, uh, to the cast and crew, of an upcoming film called Holy Shit Man. Mm. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I mentioned it on the episode. It was actually not supposed to have been an episode of the, sh- of the show. Um, it was actually something that they contacted me about personally to do an interview with them to get the word out just because I'm, you know, doing all the indie promotions and stuff. And when we were recording, there was this weird thing where, you know, it shouldn't be weird to most of you, but... Like, my internet cut out, like, three times in the span of five minutes where I literally dropped off the call. So I was like, all right, you know, enough of this shit. You know, let's just turn, you know, we'll just, I'll just record the audio and we'll do, you know, I'll figure something else out with it. And as soon as I said that, you know, I got the idea to put it on the podcast feed. So that's what, that's what's on the episode, what's on the, that's the episode is the salvaged remains of that, of that you know, meeting or situation or whatever. So, um, yeah, it was an ordeal. Um, it, 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 just give it a listen. See if you, what you think about it. Um, 
But other than that, um, what Venom said, you know, still trying to finalize underwater kaiju, still trying to get that together. But uh, yeah, other than that, um, everything's pretty much. Okay. Um, well, as far as I go, I don't think there's anything new since the last episode. The only note I have is I can't remember for sure if I mentioned or not that um, I was a guest on Scott and Heather's video game podcast, Controllers Up, Cards Down. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually do video on that show and record. We we did it over Zoom. Um and they had me watch, uh, what was it, like a, it was a Canadian video game show called like Top Ten Countdown, or I, I can't remember the name of it, but it, you know, if, if you're not familiar specifically with Canadian stuff, think like early Nickelodeon, like, like mid to late 80s, early 90s, Nickelodeon, be, before they became like the powerhouse network they are now, um, it, it was very much felt reminiscent of that um so that was a fun time talked you know a little bit about my video gaming history how i got into it when i played when i was like little little and kind of what i'm up to now with video games but uh check that out uh it's controllers up cards down just look for that on facebook and then from there you can probably find you know wherever the show is available it's a relatively new show i think there are just a few episodes in i believe that was the either the second or third episode of theirs that i was on i'm sure it's in the show notes if you're interested but definitely check that out scott and heather are friends of both fresh cuts and no more roman hell so always glad to help promote their stuff as well um but other than that just the stuff i mentioned last episode and then we've got stuff coming up but venom has already taken care of that so that is it for me um as far as our next episode um let's see if theaters here had opened then i we probably could have done what was that one you saw venom the unholy the unholy and you know what's funny is the review probably wouldn't have changed word for word (laughs) (laughs) the unholy Whereas this was a cliche supernatural thriller, the unholy was a cliche uh, revenge, you know, supernatural revenge thriller. PG thirteen, we've seen it before. Uh, the only difference is, you know, you get uh, Negan as the star of this one, and you actually get a pretty good performance out of Bill Sadler too, who always gives great performances. But I didn't even realize he was in this movie, and he actually plays a priest. So, uh, and he does a great job. So. I mean, you know, performances aside, it's just as cliche as the movie that we reviewed tonight. Yeah, just with a lot some more questionable posting. CGI. Yeah, I've <laughs> seen some people posting about it, and I kind of got the uh, impression of exactly what you just said. It, it's another case of like I would have gone to the theater if it was playing close to me, but I'm kind of in that spot where the theaters in my immediate area aren't open yet. I, it's more, I have to do a little bit of not a crazy amount of driving, but for what I heard about the unholy, now nah, I don't want to drive across town for it. So I'm a few weeks away from my theater opening. And luckily most of the, the big hitters will not have been out by then. So I shouldn't have to miss too many of like the triple A titles coming out. The biggest hitter so. is out now. I know it's not really a movie Mike cares about, but 
Made two hundred and forty million in the in yeah, the tail end of a pandemic. That's not too fucking bad. Yeah, I mean, technically, I could go to the drive-in to see that. Um, I think yeah, that's an IMAX movie. Godzilla that is versus that's, Kong. I mean, through and through. <laughs> that's an IMAX movie. Uh, you got to see it in IMAX. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about H Max? <laughs> I, I mean, you know, it, it's free. I mean, I'm not going to argue with anybody who decides to go that route. I mean, you know, Warner Brothers knew they, they knew what they did with this release, with the dual theatrical and HBO Max release. But I, it yeah, says I, on the film that it still made, you know, almost a quarter billion dollars. Um, yeah, I actually have to look into, into our IMAX because I actually don't live that far from our local IMAX. I just don't know. I haven't heard anything specifically about the IMAX theater if it's open, mm-hmm. but I should look into it because I wouldn't mind, you know, making trips uh, there where I wouldn't normally just because of the circumstances. So, you know, I'll, I'll take a look. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's going to wrap up this episode of Venom. You have any idea about the releases coming up? I mean, if nothing, I mean, you know, you know there's a few things. I know, I know uh, witness infection looked mildly interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Followed is, you know, another one of those social media based horror films that, you know, seems like the kids are digging these days. So, I mean, that came Wasn't out last that released week. last year. Um, there's two. I, I believe there's two movies called Followed because I looked it up on IMDb and I thought I found a 2020 and a 2021. Or maybe it was a 2019 and a 2020, but I did find two movies called Followed. Maybe they are the same. I'm not completely, you know, saying it's not possible, but, you know, for whatever it's worth, you know, I I did find in 2021. I'm just saying that because I I was sent a review for a a social media-based found footage film last year called Followed, so... Oh, I'm not sure if this is found footage or not. It might be. We might be talking about the same movie. But okay, like yeah. I said, I, I looked at IMDb and I found two movies in consecutive years with the same title. So I was just hoping against hope that one of them was a new horror film. But, you know, we'll see. But, I mean, you know, like I said, I, I'm always down for zombies. So Witness Infection seems like uh, it's a horror comedy. I, I accidentally saw a trailer for it. I didn't really want to, but there it was. <laughs> so I, I ended up watching the first half of the trailer by accident. It's a lot of fun, but I don't know if I don't know if there's like much really to say about it. Oh sure, I, I, I really like it. I mean, it's it's up there for me. But hey, it yeah. looks I mean, like it has the potential to be pretty funny. Um, so that that's a possible choice. I mean, we'll take a look. I know yeah. I've my movie and watching more coming outside out Friday too. I think for Shutter shows. is dropping something on, this week, aren't they? I thought uh, sure they Friday. I could be wrong. Maybe it's who isn't the banishing. Banishing. I think that I think I saw that somewhere. It might be it. I'm not sure. I have to. Again, I I don't make notes when I'm looking at new movies, and I probably should for the sake of the end of this show. But yeah, I almost never do. It's hard enough writing the watch. I know we don't we don't cover for this show, but the new season of Creep Show dropped its first episode. I believe Joe Bob starts Friday. Yeah. So, although no, they Joe won't Bob's, be covered on Joe Fresh Bob starts cuts. later in the month. Joe Bob starts later in the month. Oh, is it? Okay. For yeah. some reason. Okay, yeah, it, it starts Friday. this month, but I think it's towards the end. I think it's the last Friday. Ah, okay. All right. Yeah, I got well, Mortal Kombat the day before my birthday, so that makes me happy. Nice. <laughs> Not that that's a horror film by any stretch, but... Yeah, my my friend is having a watch party for it, and it's the day after I get the second Pfizer shot, so I'm like... 
I was like, dude, if I feel all right and I my symptoms are only mild from it, I'll I'll show up. But if I'm if I get it as bad as my wife did, I was like, nah, dude, I'm gonna be laid up in bed. Okay. So it's a it's a to be determined situation. But anyways, yeah, I mean, there whether we get brand new releases this week that we have access to or not, there's plenty of backlog because. Honestly, I've been so busy lately that outside of watching stuff for podcasts, specifically my movie watching has been a little slim. So, um, you know, we'll head to all the usual services and find something. All right. Well, with that said, we are going to get out of here. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Fresh Cuts. And we will catch you next time. Adios. Never trust your GPS. Just stay in the damn car. (laughs) 